Hey friend, welcome back to the Creative Visibility Podcast. I'm Brett Shuford. This episode is a little bit longer than the other episodes I've done, so just grab a little snack, grab something to drink, because I think it's super inspiring to hear the story about Carla Stickler. She was a member of the Broadway company of Wicked, as well as many other companies of Wicked, but in ended up actually leaving the industry to become a software engineer. We're going to get into all of that. And then randomly made headlines recently right over the holidays, having been called out of her uh, little software engineering uh, pad to play Alphaba on Broadway overnight on Christmas and got a lot of press out of it. And so we talk a little bit about the unexpected uh, twists and turns of what we do as artists. Also, this idea that you can have multiple careers, that we don't have to just be one thing. And also just how the uh, artistic industry or the commercial artistic industry, I will say, tends to view understudies, standbys, and how we see leadership changing within that system. So this episode, by the way, is brought to you by Kajabi. Kajabi is my favorite platform I've ever used for growing a business. Kajabi is an all-in-one business system. I host my website. I host my email list. I do all of my lead pages. I do all of my courses all within Kajabi. And right now they are doing a 45 day trial, uh, the idea to income challenge for 2022. And it's totally free using my link, which is in the show notes down below. So if you're somebody who wants to coach or wants to work with individuals or teach courses or run a small business, Kajabi is the number one platform to grow your business. It's all in one. They have premium products. You can sell and make money online. In fact, you could be making $1,000 without having to pay for Kajabi because 45 days, I'm telling you, is enough time to get something going on your website take it from me. I've always been surprised by what Kajabi uh, can do. And I have many, many coaches I've worked with, and they all say if Kajabi existed when they started their business, they would have started with Kajabi. And that was enough for me. So if you check the show notes down below, you're going to see a link to try Kajabi and take the free 45-day challenge. You'll get step-by-step training for your business launch three live check-ins with their team, bonus video training from Kajabi Heroes, which are people like me, a built-in community of entrepreneurs, and again, a 45-day free trial, something you will not get ever again. So I encourage you to check out Kajabi today. Hi, Carla. Welcome to the Creative Visibility Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you here because I was just telling you before we started recording, I've had several people mention your story to me in the last week. So word has gotten out. We were ships passing in the night over at Wicked on Broadway. We didn't actually get to do the show together. But when I saw your feed post or your Instagram story post of you singing, which by the way, for somebody who will tell the story in a second, but for somebody who hadn't done Alphabet in a long time, you sounded incredible. So bravo. Thank you. <laughs> I know I know how hard that is. 
tell our viewers the story, like what happened, your experience as a performer, because I know you've, you were in New York for many years and then on tour. So tell us a little bit about your history, your story as a performer, and then where you're at now and what happened last week. Sure. Okay. Do you want me to, let's see, how far should we go back? Um, <laughs> I like most Broadway actors in their <clears throat> late 30s. I was a performer for a very long time. I did a couple national tours. I started Wicked in 2010. So I first went out in the national tour, the first national tour in 2010. I was the understudy for two years. I was the standby for one year. I did get to go to Hawaii for two months, which was the best thing I've ever done as a performer. And then I came back and I went right into the Broadway company in 2013. And I was the understudy for Alphaba. And I was there full time until about mid 2015 when I just got like super burnt out. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I need some space. I went to grad school. I was like, I got to go out. I got to leave for me. I was like, I couldn't figure out how the best way to like navigate getting out of the business was that people would understand. Hmm. <laughs> like I, when you're in a Broadway show like that, you're like, oh, I can't just like quit. <laughs> like, how will I explain that? <laughs> how will my, my parents understand? How exactly. <laughs> you know, yep. like, so what can I do? So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to grad school. I've been teaching a lot. And I was like, maybe I'll go get a master's in education and I'll, I'll be a teacher because I really like doing all this education stuff. So I went to NYU and I got this educational theater master's. And I started teaching, I started my own private voice studio. I was teaching at Marymount as a voice teacher and at Cap 21 through Malloy College as a voice teacher. And I was also doing a bunch of like thespian festivals as like a teaching artist. And throughout that time from 2015 to 2019, I was still like dabbling with performing. I would, things would come up and I would take things that came up, but I wasn't like really crazy seeking stuff. I like popped into Wicked maybe once or twice a year for like a week or two here and there just to like fill in for like a vacation or an emergency in that ensemble track. Never got to play Alphaba. Always is like the bonus Alphaba <laughs> in the building. And then... Like, for people who don't know, how many Alphabas are usually in the building? There should always be three. So if there are not three, people tend to panic. So two is usually like we can get through two for like a week. We can have two if somebody's on vacation. But really, if there is one alphabet in the building, that is like all hands on deck, fire, like alarms. We got to get somebody else in this building because it is common for an alphabet to go down mid-show. It is more common than it is not common. <laughs> it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah, she's a hard track. <laughs> she's a hard track. A lot of girls will start that show and then be like, Wizard and I? Nope. nope. Nope, not happening. <laughs> no, you know what? That did not go as, as planned. I'm going to go. Walk off stage, walk out the door. <laughs> yeah. She walks off, another girl walks on, and boom. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I help them out a lot for that kind of stuff. But I was kind of just trying to figure out what I love teaching, but I also like, I don't know, I was like a person who was like looking for more stability in life. Mm. Um, teaching was great, but it does not offer stability. It's still a hustle. 
And I love my students. I love teaching. But I think when you're teaching college students, and I love all of the college students I've ever taught. So if any of them ever hear this, it is not like a personal. She loves you, okay? (laughs) I love you all. But I'm like a really big empath. So like I absorb a lot of emotions. And my students, and myself included when I was a voice student, you come in and you bring all of your things into a voice lesson. And I was just like absorbing all of them all day long. And I was getting very burnt out. So I was like, I, this is not sustainable either. So what is sustainable? And a friend of mine who I had done some readings of his musical year years ago, he was like a songwriter, showed up at my birthday party and was like, guess what? I'm a software engineer now. And I was like, I'm sorry. I need you to explain that to me. <laughs> I went home and I just like started teaching myself how to be an engineer, like Googling, like how to be a software engineer. What can I learn first? Like, what do you do? What is software engineering? What's coding? What's programming? And I just like started teaching myself stuff and I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh, this feels sustainable. Like I could have weekends free and evenings free and health insurance. And like, this is creative and interesting. And I find myself like fully immersed in it when I'm doing it. And I was like, great, this is it. This is my thing. I can do this. I'm smart. And I also felt really smart, which like after being an actor for a very long time, I was like, oh, I feel so smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it sounds smart, right? I'm a software engineer. I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to go near that, right? <laughs> that was really smart. And that was really enough for me. I was like, it sounds smart and I pick it up really quickly. So like, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> so smart. It's so yeah. good. So, so it. like, I literally just, that was it. Like the pandemic started, I looked for a job and here we are. So did you have to get a degree in software engineering or... No, you just trained yourself. So what's a job application interview like for software engineering? So one thing to backtrack just a hair, Mm -hmm. I did not get a degree, but for anybody who's listening and is interested in software engineering, there are these things called boot camps. And there are these software engineering boot camps. They're all over. I went to this one called the Flatiron School in New York. And it's like a three-month program where you like just learn how to code. They like teach you a couple like programming languages and then like my program had like a whole career services aspect to it. So they help you kind of navigate the career, like the job search and stuff. So they like really helped out. I also like worked part-time for their online program after I finished because I was like, well, as a teacher, I know that you learn best by teaching other people. So I'm going to teach other people how to do this so I can get better at it. So I did that part-time while I was like, doing like one last performing gig right before the pandemic started. So you are really, you are smart. You don't just sound like you're smart. Uh, I like to think I am smart. (laughs) (laughs) There are definitely smarter people out there. (laughs) So I think what's really important just to sort of reflect on what you just shared in your whole story is the evolution of you finding this, because I think so many people think they have to make this sort of black and white decision about what their career path is like, okay, I'm either a performer or I'm not, or I'm either a software engineer or I'm nothing. Right. And I think that part of that is a cultural, what's embedded in us in a capitalistic society and like the American culture, you get a job and you do it till you're 90 and then die and you know whatever i think it's interesting to you know i don't know if you want to speak a little bit more into this process of that evolution for you did you feel like that because growth is uncomfortable right and now it's part of that process is 
trying things and failing. And when you reflect back on that journey of going to grad school, trying out teaching, going to the boot camp, getting this job, what do you feel like were the biggest aha moments for you in that process? Oh gosh. My whole life, I'm a very, very spontaneous person, but I'm also like a very all hands on deck, all in person. So like once I make a decision, I commit like 400%. I think a lot of that process was like, okay, I'm leaving Wicked. I'm going to grad school. I am committing to this thing. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to do this a hundred percent. And I try to trust that process. I try to trust that like, okay, I, I know I've been a performer for a long time. That is a part of me, but I really enjoy being a beginner at something. I enjoy learning. So I enjoy that like weird uncomfortableness of like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And like, I'm going to ask a million questions. (laughs) And I just like really love that. I love being in a space where I can be kind of like humble about what I know because I don't know anything, right? I can literally just be that beginner, have that beginner mindset. And so I try not to be scared of it. I've always been like that. I mean, even when I was younger, I spent a lot of time trying to decide what I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Chicago, which is why I moved back to Chicago. Got it. I live in Chicago now, obviously. And, you know, my family were all like musicians and my mother was an opera singer. And there was always like this idea that I was going to be a musician. Mm. I was going to be a singer. And I would go to Interlochen up in Northern Michigan every summer. And I went there my senior year of high school. And I was constantly like, trying to figure out who I was. I knew I was a singer, but I couldn't decide if I liked musical theater enough to do musical theater. And I didn't know if I loved opera, but I liked singing. But then I also like did pottery and I love pottery. (laughs) I remember my senior year, I was like a voice major up in Interlochen and my teacher, my pottery teacher was like, you really should go to school for pottery. I think you're really good at this. And I was like, cool. No, I'm going to be a singer. I was like, no, I think I have to be a singer. So I like went to school for to Cincinnati as a singer and I was having trouble singing. I was like having all these issues and I ended up getting diagnosed with having a cyst on my vocal cords. I really think this moment was kind of like this big life-changing moment where I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what to do with that. And I feel awful and uncomfortable. And I thought that I had made this choice about what I was going to be for the rest of my life. I was like, I'm going to be a singer removed all these other parts of me and I made a decision. And all of a sudden the decision that I made was not going well. (laughs) And I had to have surgery to have the cyst removed. And I just was so terrified to sing. And I didn't know who I was anymore. I had like no identity. Mm. I dropped out of school and I worked at a deli in Chicago and I like made sub sandwiches. And I just didn't know what to do. I was like, who am I if I can't sing? And I was Mm. like, okay, well, let's make another decision. Well, I love performing. So I love singing and singing is performing. So therefore I love performing. So (laughs) I'm going to go to NYU and I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be the best darn actor I can possibly be. And so I went to NYU and I studied acting and I didn't do a single play while I was there because I like got into an acapella group and I like learned how to like sing pop music and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like, okay, I'm just going to live my life and hopefully something will... It was like the weirdest moment in my life. It was like this moment where I like didn't know how to like really commit to something different. And I was just like, I'm going to take anything that comes at me. And in order to graduate, I had to do summer school. So I did CAP 21. And I remember in one of my classes, I was singing, I'm Not Afraid of Anything by Jason Robert Brown. 
and just started weeping. And my teacher was like, Carla, what are you doing? Why are you not doing musical theater? And I was like, I don't know. I'm so afraid of this. I have no I, idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. That's, the, what I'm that's doing. the Carlos Dickler shirt. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Literally, I find myself in these situations now, though, where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I've learned to overcome that moment so many times where I'm like, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to not know what I'm doing and to realize that that is not the end of the world. And Mm. so as I've gotten older and I've found myself in those moments again where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I can trust that there is a process and that I will get through it. I just have to kind of make a decision. And once I make a decision, generally things fall into place Mm. and it doesn't always have to be the right decision. I made a decision to go to grad school. It was Teaching was maybe not the thing I want to do forever, but it was a decision. And that decision was like really important to make because I needed a path. I needed a new path. It didn't honestly at that point matter what that path was. Mm. I just had to commit to something. And so that was a very long answer to your question. <laughs> no, but, but like so profound, I think this idea that especially someone like you, I can identify with this. You're good at a lot of things. You're like, I can do pottery. I can sing. I can. And I think that's why people like us are great understudies and swings is because we're curious and we're not just curious to dabble. We're curious to dominate, you know, (laughs) like we want to be good at the things that we're curious about. There's been very few things in my life that I've actually said to myself, Brett, you don't like yoga. I love yoga. And I've constantly had to tell myself, you do not need to be a certified yoga instructor. You can just practice yoga. (laughs) I did that when I was doing Bikram yoga all the time. I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to teach this. (laughs) You don't have to be a certified yoga professional. You can just take classes. (laughs) Oh my God, that is so funny. I feel that so hard. You do not have to be an expert at everything that you like to do. Just Brett, stop, (laughs) right? So I do think that there's something about that mindset, but there's also something too about and talk, you know, your experience as an understudy and a swing. You know, I think that I'm very curious for you, what did that drive any of that decision-making? Did you enjoy being an understudy um, and a cover? And what do you think you learned from that experience that's helped you today doing what you do? I loved being an understudy because I have a little bit of a savior complex. (laughs) Like I like saving the day a little bit. I like that I know and trust myself enough that I am going to perform well under awful circumstances. And it is something I know about myself. And I would never commit to something that I don't think I could do it fully a hundred percent. I liked that aspect of being an understudy, but you know, I do think anybody who's been understudy, there is always that feeling of, Oh, I could do this eight shows a week. I could totally do that. I could totally do that. If they would just give me the chance to do that. You don't want to say it out loud because there's this whole like hashtag humble thing, like hashtag grateful. Like I'm so happy to have a job and like, how dare I wish for more because I already have a lot of great things in my life. And so there's sort of a feeling of I don't want to ask for more. I know like I'm good at this thing. And like, maybe if they gave me an eight show a week alphabet, I'd be terrible at it. I don't know. I work really well under pressure and maybe I get bored. I have no idea because I've never done it. I liked the flexibility of being an understudy or a standby, right? I like that I don't have to do the show every day. I like that I get downtime. 
when I was standing by on tour, I, I like had a, a bracelet making business. <laughs> I had like an Etsy store and I would like make bracelets backstage. And it was super fun. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't be able to do this if I did the show eight times a week. So I don't know. I like that. What did you ask? You asked how I think that's kind of like. How do you think that that adrenaline, because I know from my experience, right, pretty much every show I did, I was an understudy. And the best part of an understudy is the first time you go on. Because <laughs> that's the only time people really appreciate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after that, it's just like an insurance policy, in my experience. But I do think that what it gave me as a human is this ability to sort of deflect anxiety in a way The like, I don't think if I didn't have the ability to sort of take it one step at a time, show up one scene at a time, learn how to read people's eyeballs if I'm in the wrong place or, you know, all the stuff that comes with you know, that in you were kind of talking about being an empath, just being able to sort of absorb your environment and go with the flow, all that stuff, I think prepared me for the pandemic. It has prepared me for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It has prepared me. It has helped me not care about if a social media post bombs or whatever it is that I'm doing. How do you feel like that experience as an understudy has helped you in your current path and and decision-making over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think, I mean, you kind of nailed it, right? Like that feeling of like, I can go with the flow. I know how not to take something. If something doesn't go right, I know what that feels like. And I know that it's not the end of the world, right? Like I have messed, oh, I have bombed so hard on stage in front of thousands of people. And I'm like, if I could have made it through that experience, I can make it through the first three months of the pandemic without a job and figuring it out. It's not fun. It's like really uncomfortable, but like, I know that I'm going to get through it. I know as like somebody who's been in those extreme positions of feeling uncomfortable and just like kind of absorbing everything around them. I'm like, I can do this. I know I can do this. This is no different. It's just a different climate. It's just a different space that I'm in, but it's still the same feeling. It teaches you to kind of really just trust yourself and know you won't be that. It's not going to be that awful. It might suck for like a minute, but nothing will truly ever be that that awful. Or if it is that awful, it won't last forever, right? Like if something really is awful and uncomfortable, like this pandemic has been awful for a lot of reasons for a lot of people. And you have these moments of like, you're grieving all of these things. And I've been very fortunate. I haven't lost anybody like extremely close to me, but you know, I can only imagine like that stuff, it comes with you as you move through life, it gets easier as you go. So like learning to kind of deal with those kinds of really difficult situations and move forward as best as you can through them instead of trying to like remove yourself from them. You're like, I just kind of have to move through this process. I have to move mm-hmm. through it, get over there. I will still remember that, but like, I just got to get over there. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Keep moving on. When people ask me like, cause most people who live outside of muggle, you know, people in the muggle world, which you are now part of, Uh let's call you a half blood right now. (laughs) But, you know, they think, oh my God, an understudy. Oh my God, a swing. How do you do it? That's always a big question. People ask, how do you do it? It's like one thing at a time. You just take one scene at a time, one step at a time, one entrance at a time. So that's to me, I think is really such a great life lesson for anybody. And I, I applaud you for like really living in that process. But let's talk about what happens. <laughs> so you've been in this mode of like, when's the last time you were at Wicked? 2019, you said, right? 
Yeah. So I was there in the summer of 2019 covering like a illness for two weeks. And at that time, I was actually doing my software engineering boot camp during the day and I was going to the theater at night. And you're living in New York, you're living in Brooklyn, you're mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I'm going to get this software thing. And then like if Wicked, like so many people we know, like Lindsay and Lorianne, you would just get called in and do Wicked for a little bit, mm-hmm. make a little insurance money, go back to your thing, right? So Wicked shuts down, pandemic, everything shuts down in New York. You're there, you're in New York for how long during the shutdown? So we stayed until April of this year, or last year, about 2021. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> years mean nothing. I know, it's like, what day is it? <laughs> I don't remember years. 2021, we moved to Chicago in April. We were just like in 600 square feet, both of us working remotely, just on top of each other. What are we doing? And what is your partner? Your partner in the, was in the business reason. So he works in advertising now. He actually used to work for Second City, which is how we met. We met on a cruise ship when I was doing my show on a ship and he was working for Second City. The weird thing is we both grew up in the same hometown, went to the same high school, did not know each other. I played softball with his older sister. We both went to NYU. Our parents knew each other. It's so weird. It was supposed to happen. Wow. It was like kismet. So moving back to Chicago was like, we were both like, well, family, friends, makes sense. So you're back in Chicago. You bought a house. We did. We bought a house. I love congratulations. My house. Thank you. I love my fireplace. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It's so cute. Yeah, it's the reason we bought this house. It's very hard to turn on and off, but I love it. <laughs> but it looks good. But against that wallpaper, I can't. I know. So. You're in Chicago and was there like a resignation that had happened at some point? You were like, I'll probably never hear from them again. And I'm just going to be a software engineer and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I definitely like moving to Chicago definitely was there was a moment where I was like, okay, this is real. Like by doing this, I am officially removing myself from the equation. Like if Wicked calls, I can't just show up at the theater tomorrow afternoon or this afternoon if they call me at 10 a.m. I was like, there was this moment where I was like, I'm kind of like taking my power back from Wicked. Like where I'm like, I am taking ownership of my life. Wait, and the, like, <laughs> but Wicked has all the power. I'm getting Continue. <laughs> well, like, you know, it's, like, it's hard to say no to Wicked. I've been with them it for is. so long and I love the show. And every time they would call, my husband would be like, are you sure you want to go back? And I was like, I mean, it's like, I gotta go. I like, I can't say no. <laughs> I know. So like, I, know. I really thought that moving to Chicago, I would gain some of that closure on that. And more of that, I can say no. I can say no, because guess what? I don't live there. Like they'd have to be super desperate. <laughs> I don't want to say they're desperate, but they'd have to be super like. Short listed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I really thought I was fully closing that chapter. Very much so. I was like, I'm going to just move forward and commit fully to this life that I have with my husband, my dog, my house, my new job, my weekends, my evenings. I get to like drink alcohol now, which is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> like when I was singing all the time, I couldn't, I couldn't even have like a glass of wine. I was so nervous that I was going to lose my voice. So it's nice to like be a real person. Those are perks. Those are real perks. They are. People don't so, realize. What happened? So they called you out of the blue So I, I have been noticing there was a lot of stuff going on on Facebook, as I think a lot of people were noticing. 
I had been noticing a lot of the girls that I knew covered the roles were all sick. Mm-hmm. Were, they were all out. They would not be available if called upon. And so Sunday morning, one of the girls who had been called to come in and help out actually ended up testing positive for COVID. It was so sad. And she, she's such a beautiful actress. And I was so sad for her. And then she posted this thing on Facebook and like my heart broke for her. I was like, oh, I want you to have this so bad. And then the second thought that I had was they're going to call me later today. <laughs> I was going through my head of like all the girls and I was like, who else is available? And um, was this to play the role or just to have a cover in the building? Initially. Just to have a cover in the building. So you so would like, just become be the standby while Jenny Denoya, who's currently the standby, is on for Lindsay Pierce. Yes. Right. I was actually on a swing contract because they <laughs> thought they might need me also for the ensemble. An ensemble. They're like, we need another person in the building. Yeah, because they were doing like crazy split tracks from what I heard through the dance captains and stuff. And for those Mm -hmm. of you that don't know, that's when, you know, a swing is like basically playing four people in one performance. So (laughs) I think they got up to one person was doing five in one show. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. They just needed more bodies. I get it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Keep the show going. Gotta keep gotta keep going. I think like that is one of the really interesting things up that I think a lot of people have realized that I don't know if they quite knew just how hard standbys and understudies work. I mean, man, thank you, Hugh Jackman, for that beautiful viral thing. He that thing he said about the Marion understudy, it brought this like really lovely awareness to like the hard work that goes on to keep the shows going. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people who don't because they don't understand that they're like, oh my God, shows are going to such crazy lengths to keep their shows open. I'm like, yes, but also even if there wasn't a pandemic going, they would have gone to these lengths as well. If they found they only had one alpha in the building, they would have called. That's what they do. Yeah. yeah. But I do want to just speak to something that you don't have to speak to. I'll speak to this. And that is that Charlotte St. Martin, who is the president of the Broadway league had made a statement that was very demeaning to understudies and swings and also just really kind of pointed out the lack of understanding that the Broadway league, the, which is basically the union for producers has on who keeps their shows going. And so this big movement happened and it happened to coincide with this event for you, which was beautiful, which is, you know, Hugh Jackman coming out and honoring and Alexandra Billings did this for at Wicked, we're honoring mm-hmm. the understudies and swings and all of that. So I just want to give a little side note that it was a beautiful thing that needed to happen, I think, especially for the Broadway League and for other producers and leaders within the theater world to see. Yeah, it was really powerful how many people kind of rejected that story that she said that she like very publicly made just being like, that is not true. That is just not real. That is not the reality of this. And we're going to be very vocal about it. And it was cool. I mean, it's it's really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. So So, you got called in to be a standby. And so they called you on Sunday. What was that conversation? (laughs) Yeah. So it was actually, it was a text message. Um, (laughs) From Susan? No, from Marsha. Oh, from Marsha. Okay. (laughs) So we were in the car. So But I wake up and I'm like, oh God, I bet they're going to call me today. If they don't, fine. But I'm still going on vacation. And my husband and I hop in the car and we drive. We're going to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And about like a few hours in, we're like 
stopped at the Mars cheese castle to buy some squeaky cheese curds. And I get out, I get back in the car. My husband goes, you have a text message. And I was like, cool, read it to me. He's like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) cool. Okay. Are you ready? And I was like, what? I was like, is it wicked? And he was like, it is wicked. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, I need to think about this. He goes, do you want to do this? And I was like, I, oh, I sat with it for a few minutes. I was like, I don't know. I really thought I was done. And like, I'm about to go on vacation. And like, I'm so excited about my vacation. We were just going to like be in a cabin in the woods in the snow and just have a great week. And I was like, there was something in me, I think because of all of the attention that like understudies and swings, this moment that was happening in New York, I was just like, you know, I like want to kind of be a part of that. That is such a big part of who I am. And who I was for a really long time, that to have this opportunity to go in and be a part of that and to like help keep the lights on. I love Broadway. I love the theater. I love Wicked. I really do. I love the show. And I, yeah, and being a, a part show. of the show, is such a, right? It's, it's been like it's such, such a good story. It just feels so good to walk out that theater after doing yeah. that show. I feel that I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is better than me. And like I have the week off from work. So I can do this. So I was like, I gotta go. He's like, okay. I was like, but first I gotta sing through the song. (laughs) (laughs) Do I even have those notes right now? (laughs) I was like, oh. Um, The most unnatural, the most unnatural notes that anyone, and yeah, anyway, go ahead. So you're like, I'm gonna sing through this. I gotta tell you, I don't know if I'm just a freak of nature and have like freakish vocal cords, but like Alphabus sits very nicely. In I voice. noticed that listening to you, I'm just saying, I'm not a vocal expert, but I will say, I noticed that listening to you, I was like, it just sits in your voice in such a cool way that it's much more natural for you. Yeah. I think because I was like a coloratura soprano before and my voice is set really high, it sits in a really okay place for me where I don't usually have problems with it. I can usually do it whenever. And so like that also was part of it. I was like, well, I know I can sing the show. I haven't sung much in two years, two and a half years, whatever, but it it's all there. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. And like muscle memory, man. Stuff's real. Yeah. Adrenaline. Real. Real. So you book a flight or they book a flight for you to fly yeah. to New York on Monday? Yeah. Monday. So I flew out mid morning, but my flight got delayed. It was a horrible snowstorm up in Michigan. That was like the day where like everything was being canceled. Oh my so, gosh. So like flights were being delayed and can't, I spent so much time in the airport just like panicking that I was going to get COVID and then I was going to get to New York and I was going to test positive when I got there. And I was like, cool. So thanks for flying me out. I'm going to just live in this hotel room for a week and then go home. <laughs> uh, so luckily I got there. I got there right in time to watch the show Monday night because they had a Monday night show because the holidays got Holidays. Mm. So Monday night show. And then I went home. I slept. I had a rehearsal all day, all afternoon, Tuesday. I followed Jenny around the show Tuesday night. That was it. They're like, we think you're ready. Do you want to do another run through like during Wednesday during the matinee? And I was like, yeah, why not? Up in the like, studio. Yeah, I was like, it can't hurt. I would love to just do it again. So me and the stage manager, she played every part. <laughs> it was just me and her and a pianist, and we went through I, the whole I show. I definitely have been in that rehearsal, too. Yes. Yeah. Singing as long as you're mine with our stage manager is a very fun <laughs> experience. <laughs> I love I You know, it's, it is, it's lovely. Watching her play everything is... is she loves just, it. She, she lives her best it. life. Yes. Yeah. And like by the time we were done, they were like, okay, 
you're ready. Like, feel good. You feel good. I was like, I feel good. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same. I felt every other time I understudied it. I feel like I haven't done it in a while and I know it. And like, I just gotta, you gotta put me on coach so I can make sure I know it. I like, there's no other way around it. Right. When you're yep. under, so you're like, I just gotta do it. Yep. Like it's I know it. Yep. I got my numbers. I know all the dialogue. It's so, yeah. And then I just kind of waited. So we were taking antigen tests every morning, testing every day, every day. So like every morning you wake up, you take a test, you take a picture of it, you send it in oh. to their testing people. So I had done a PCR right when I got there that was negative. So like then after, once you take the PCR, they do the antigen test. Got it. So it was just kind of like, well, you're ready as long as you can go on. Our standby had been doing so many shows because she'd been the only person in the building for a little while and was just like needed a moment, like just needed to take a moment. Yeah. And that holiday schedule is brutal too because you do like – 16 shows in a row or something insane. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. So I was like, you let me know when you want it, when you're ready, girl, I'm here. If you need me, I'm also fine. If you want to just keep plowing through, I'm here. I am just here. Use me if you want. So I kind of knew I was going to be on for the Saturday night show. But again, it was that thing where you're like, I still have to wake up and take that test. And if it's positive, I can't do that show. So, I just like was living in like fear of taking my test every morning <laughs> and like not leaving the apartment. I'm sure just like, yeah, I literally, I stayed like New Year's Eve. I was in on 49th between Broadway and eighth and a hotel room right in Times Square. And I was just like, I could hear all the noise in Times Square. And I'm just like, can't go anywhere. Can't leave. Just, can't just leave. Like my look room. out the window. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. You're in Times was- Square, not looking at New Year's Eve. <sighs> it was wow. probably the saddest New Year's Eve I've ever had. <laughs> And so when they hired you, they hired you to come in to be a standby for two weeks? Uh, At first, it was a week with the option to extend. Got it. So you wake up Saturday morning, you take your antigen test, negative. I send them a message. I'm like, all right, I'm negative. And at that point, like, I'm like, our standby could also still be like, you know, I'm going to come and do the show. As an understudy, there are never guarantees that you're going to go on. Even when somebody is like, hey, hint, hint, I might call out. You're like, (laughs) until you do, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so don't tell me that. (laughs) I'm not going to sit here and like freak out about it because a lot of times I've had people tell me that and then they do the show that night. Yeah, me too. And you're like, I don't get my hopes up because it's just like unnecessary. Well, that's just healthy. That's just keeping yourself sane. Yeah. Yeah. So until like I got the call around noon on Saturday, I was like, well, okay, I'm negative. So they know that, I, that I'm here if they need me. And then I just spent the rest of the day in my room doing the show in the mirror, in the shower, steaming it up, mm-hmm. singing, just being like, I got, I got it. I may or may not have a bootleg of the show that I watched <laughs> um, <laughs> just to watch the numbers and the tracks yep. and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do what you got to do. So, and I was like, all right. I had a point where I was like, I, I need to stop. I know this. There's nothing else I can do. I've gone through all of the fast, like, bits. You know, there's like the, <laughs> the scene at the right before Defying Gravity with Chistery. It's like, oh, no, Chistery, are you all right? Oh, it's just a transition, dearie. No, no, he's not. He's yeah. It's fast, wrong. fast, fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and you have to, like, memorize everybody's lines in order to do it. And yep. so, like. Those were the moments that get me the most scared because I'm like, 
I, you just kind of have to trust them. Yeah, because there's like all that underscoring and set scenic movement happening all at the same time. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. so Saturday, you were like, okay, I know it. I can give myself a little bit of a break. And what happened? I get there. I get to the theater Saturday night. I got there very early. I sat in the dressing room for a little bit and just was like, I'm going to be in the space. I have a really big tattoo on my arm <laughs> that I got recently as also like, a, I'm done performing. <laughs> I'm getting a really big tattoo on my arm. And so they had to like cover my tattoo up and like do all this makeup because it showed through the green mesh thing. And I got to say like the alphabet team are incredible. Like the hair, the makeup, the dresser. I don't know how they do it, but they are so positive and their energy. It was like the driving force behind my show. Mm. Like I would cross stage and be like, you got this. You're doing great. And I was like, thank you. I mean, how <laughs> else are you going to do it? Yeah, you gotta. That's incredible. Yeah, As an understudy, like nerves are not helpful. Adrenaline can be. Feeling like anxious, like I can't do this and panicking is not helpful. So channeling that adrenaline into the show is like the thing that's going to get you through it. I knew we were sitting there painting me green. I was like, I'm so chill. I'm not like nervous yet. It always comes right before you run out on stage. I really think the beautiful thing about Wicked for an understudy is the way Alphaba is crafted in the beginning of the show. She like bursts out through that door and she everybody's like laughing at her and she then gets to scream at everybody and then you sing the song that is just like about excitement and joy and being terrified and hopeful and like you're really like physically feeling all of those things Mm. so you just use it you're just like cool i'm gonna live in this moment because that's where i am at the moment currently it's very grounding as an understudy for alphabet i i like to think a lot of other girls would feel the same i think that that moment is really just it allows you to kind of center yourself. You're like, okay. And you can kind of take your time at the beginning of the song. And it's like, you get to lock in with the conductor. And like, I think it's really feel your feet underneath you. And then you're like, and now I got this. And now I can do the rest of the show. And it's going to be fine. (laughs) It's incredible. And it's so well, I mean, again, it's a very well-structured show. So you did the matinee. I did the Saturday night show. We did not have a matinee. Oh, you didn't have a matinee because of the holiday yeah. schedule. Yeah. So we had a Saturday night show and a Sunday matinee. And I did both of those. And so then what happened? Somebody somewhere in the audience filmed you. Yeah. So a lovely fan who has since sent me that video. I love our fans, man. <laughs> Somebody's got to take those videos. Um, <laughs> they took that, that um, video of my bow. A friend of mine who just like has like a lot of Twitter followers and like this other girl that I know in tech who also like loves musical theater. Somebody had put us in contact a few years ago and she has like a giant following on Twitter. The two of them just grabbed onto this and like posted these threads on Twitter and on their Instagram pages. And it just kind of like, it was bananas. (laughs) What happened? Yeah. What happened? It just like exploded. It was like, I don't know, as an understudy, I'm not used to getting that kind of attention. And all of a sudden it was like, People just were so excited about this moment. They wanted to talk about it. They wanted to ask me questions. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was just like, I was still so overwhelmed by everything and trying to process everything. And I put this post up about like, this is going to end. I know this is going to end. I just hope that when this is over, like 
some girl like sees this and realizes that she can like math and science and STEM and also musical I saw that. Art. Yeah. I think that's okay. when I followed you was when I saw that. Yeah. I was trying to process everything. I was mm-hmm. like, as a lifelong understudy, I know this moment is probably not going to last long or I never expect it to. Right. I never expect anything from when I go on. So I was like, I hope that somebody sees this who really just needed to see this really needed to see that like, Oh, that's a thing. You, you can have multiple careers. Like just because you pick one path doesn't mean it has to be the path for the rest of your life. And doesn't mean that path has to define you. You know, you can have multiple paths. You can be multiple people. A friend of mine coined this term, the human Venn diagram. And I love it because it's like you live at the intersection of all of these different parts of yourself that kept going through my brain. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna put this post up just because like I need to just like process this moment. And that thing just like blew up. The thing that was so inspiring to me was all the people who started messaging me to tell me like their stories, you know, and like share with me what they do and how they've always felt like people have told them they have to pick something and they've always felt like the odd one out because they like these two very different things. And I just like, I was so moved by like the things that people wanted to share with me and how people just felt seen. And it it was like, That's the thing of all of this that like touches me the most. I was so overwhelmed that aspect of it, just people really grabbing onto that and being like, yes, yes, of course. Why not? You know? It's so beautiful. And I think that so many people, because of the pandemic, really were questioning their paths, regardless of what industry they were in. Mm-hmm. And so for you to sort of validate that you can have multiple paths and you can still be an artist and you can embrace the right and the left brain. Mm-hmm. How is being a software engineer different for you now that you kind of went back and experienced being a performer? And then now you're, of course, back to your regular job in the last week. What do you notice the differences and or what do you miss or when you reflect on these two different lives? Yeah, you know, I do think there are a lot of similarities. As a software engineer, you kind of live in the unknown. Mm. There's this thing where as a software engineer, you're really good at Googling because you can't, you literally cannot memorize every piece of information. Also because technology is changing so fast, you're constantly learning new things and new ways to do things because you kind of have to. You have to adapt or else the technology is old and where are you in your career? (laughs) So there's this adapting that has to happen constantly. And the thing I love about it is it, it's literally the same muscle that I use as a standby or an understate, right? It's like that feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I know what I do. I know, I trust, I know how to find the thing that I need to get where I need to get to. But I also know that there's a lot of unknowns here. And as a software engineer, there's a lot of unknown. And I spend a lot of my day looking up things and trying to analyze things and figure out what they mean and how can I use them for what I'm writing and um, how, you know, I'm constantly problem solving. And I love that about it. Like, it's so creative. Having this whirlwind of a week, you know, last week and the week before, and then coming back, it's been really nice to just like focus again and like find some like quiet moments to just sit and work on something and not think about like Twitter and Instagram and interviews and what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> you know, it's been really, really nice to just like sit with my code and myself in a room and just work. I've been very grateful to have that to come back to. Congratulations. I mean, it's just so, so exciting. Did this reawaken 
the performer inside you in a way? Do you feel like you want to extend an arm out into that world a little bit more? Or do you feel like, you know what, I did it and that was great. And whatever the universe wants to bring my way, I'm open to it. Yeah, I think like a little bit of both. I think um, there's got to be something in in between. I Mm. think right before all this, about a month prior to this, and I've had a lot of people remind me of this. I put up this post on Facebook. I was like, does anybody know anything about the Chicago theater scene? Like, I just like want to sing at a concert. Do you guys do concerts here? Like they do in New York? Just like, I don't know anything about the Chicago scene. I feel really dumb about it. But just being like, what are the opportunities? Because like, I was getting kind of like that itch. I was like, I want to do something. I don't know what that is. I do not want to do eight shows a week. Unless somebody wants me to like star in like their show and like pay me a lot of pay money. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I really, my husband and I just moved to Chicago. I really want to explore it here. But again, I'm open. I think what's really kind of beautiful about this moment and also kind of the message, right? That we don't have to shut these parts of our lives out. Maybe there's a world where I can also be creative in other ways. And I have a lot of time free on my weekends and my evenings, you know? Like I don't bring my work home with me after five o'clock. I go and I do other stuff. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to keep being open with the comfort of knowing I have a full-time job. Yeah. 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 It's It's just so inspiring. And anyone listening, make sure you go follow Carla on social media, on Instagram. I'm going to try and put content up. Oh, I am so bad at social media. You're going to have to now. You're becoming a... (laughs) Social media star. You and I'll have to talk about this later. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we'll have a conversation. What, um, anything else you want people to know or you want to dive deeper on or anything we skipped? You know, you touched on one thing that I wanted to just really quickly circle back to. Sure. The idea that during this pandemic, so many people, so many artists and actors lost their jobs. They lost their livelihood and they were kind of like reflecting on like, well, who am I? What am I? What do I do? One of the really cool things that's happened right at the beginning of the pandemic was I, had, I started having a ton of people reach out to me and be like, hey, I heard you code. What is that? Can you tell me about that? And like, I would like send them resources and how to get started. And a friend of mine who's also a Broadway performer and her husband, who's a musician, had gone through a coding boot camp about a year before I did. And they were getting the same kind of outreach. Like people were just like, hey, you guys code. What is that? And somebody put me in contact with them and they started this group called Artists Who Code, which is like this really beautiful community now. It's like a big community of artists who are learning or have learned and are maybe going through the job search and trying to get into tech. It's so cool. I have friends who started programming like right at the end of the pandemic who are now software engineers with jobs. And it's so cool to see people just realize that they are more than just an actor or a musician, right? Like that they have other skills. Those skills as the artist translate into these other fields. And that is like, it's so, so cool to see. I love that community of people. They are just so open and honest and awesome. I love that. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes to that Facebook group or for anyone who's interested in learning more about coding. That sounds like a really great resource so that people aren't just hounding you in the DMs. Uh, (laughs) 
And do you have any other places where people can follow you or stay in touch? Or is it just Instagram? You know, I think Instagram is probably the one that I'm the best at. Just because I like pictures. Um, (laughs) Twitter, I'm on Twitter. I'm Stickler Carla on Twitter. But I always get really nervous about what to post on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. I don't blame you. (laughs) I'm there, but I'm more on Instagram. Well, it's so inspiring. Keep doing what you're doing. I cannot wait to see how you blend both sides of your brain and all the things you start doing moving forward. Thanks for coming and talking and inspiring everybody. Thank you for having me. This was absolutely lovely.